The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I've got some serious enthusiasm going in this morning. Going this morning, I say serious, genuine. I have to admit, there's been some weeks when I thought about coming into the old empty worship center, and I had to get excited, or figure out how to get excited, or at least figure out how to look excited. Today, I, I got a genuine uh, something going. I'm, I mean, my wife may have to give me the calm down, buddy. You're a little bit too excited. Thing, I think it's this. You, you, if you've ever had like where you're, you want to get done with something. And, okay, like the last day of a job you don't like, you actually enjoy. You know, you go in and you say, hey, I can, I can do this for one stinking more day, and I'm actually going to enjoy it. I, I have to confess something to you. I am so sick of this slide right here. <laughs> I'm just tired of community at home. If I never see this couch again, I will be a very happy man. So we're switching the slide. Okay, you ready? ba 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 now, we are going to continue to live stream the services, okay? Every week, beginning next week, even though we're having the outdoor services down at the Edwardburg Sports Complex, we will have a 1045, uh, something here uh, that we have pre-recorded. For the next two weeks, it'll be pre-recorded. It'll be shorter. I was thinking about that this morning. I'm not sure why it's shorter. Somehow in the meeting, they said, well, you could do a short sermon for online those weeks. I don't know why it has to be short. I think I got duped. But anyway, because we advertised it, we will have a shorter, probably 15, 20-minute message each of the next two weeks at 1045 online while we meet, uh, while we gather outside at the Edwardsburg Sports Complex. Uh, we'll say more about that in church emails and have some information on the website, so don't miss that. So you're ready to go. If you have any questions, just call me. I don't care. Uh, I've been very lonely. You can call me, well, not anytime. I go to bed about 10, something like that, but anytime before that. But uh, pretty excited, and then when we get back together in a few weeks, meeting here in the auditorium, still going to be streaming live, so we will call it Community Live. That sounds better to me. I am tired of seeing that couch. I just can't take it anymore. Acts chapter 16 is our passage today. You ready? This is a sermon that I put in less work than I usually do. Somewhere uh, in the school of how to preach, you're not supposed to say that, I'm pretty sure. But it was one of these things where I'm reading in Acts chapter 16, and the story just flowed through so in such an incredible way, and it's like God just brought some points out and some observations that I was just so excited uh, about that, you know, pretty soon I was like, you know, well, I should probably dig and study a little bit more, but I was like, it was like this, this text just flew, and it just popped out. So, I, so anyway, pretty, pretty pumped. We're going to read through Acts chapter 16. We're going to stop at four different uh, observations. Uh, so let's just get rolling. You ready? Acts chapter 16, we are moving uh, into the second missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas, you might remember, had a little disagreement at the end of 15. Barnabas took John Mark. He's down in Cyprus revisiting re, uh, the churches. Paul takes Silas, and he's heading up into Galatia, into the area that is now Turkey, Asia Minor. That's where he's ministering. You ready? Acts chapter 16. Now, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra, two of the towns that back in chapter 14 we find them preaching. We also find them getting smacked around a little bit. But anyway, uh, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him 
and had him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his father was a Greek now I'm going to stop here for just a second and uh, this is actually my first stopping point my first observation it'll be kind of a quick one and I want to confess to you this is not like a deep boy he really dug into the scriptures this is just kind of something that popped into my mind as I looked at this because whenever I read this that Paul took Timothy and had him circumcised the first thing I think of is why we just went through a couple weeks ago we talked about this in Acts chapter 15 the big question is do new believers need to follow the Jewish law do they need to be circumcised they decided no they came up with that conclusion they said we're not going to force this upon anybody so and therefore we're going to send you some letters Paul that shows you that you have the backing of the church at Jerusalem so go on out there and minister in this freedom you don't have to do this first thing we do let's take Timothy and circumcise him it just doesn't it never made any sense to me I mean they're gonna do a lot of traveling I'm pretty sure it wasn't to make that more comfortable for him uh, they're gonna be walking all over the known world why in the world are they circumcising Timothy at this point I did, do not understand it and uh, when I used to teach this every year I'd kind of end with that with this section I said I don't understand move on but I thought this week I thought I gotta find out why you know what is the reason uh, there's got to be I did not come up. I read a bunch of different scholars, had a different theories and everything like that in the commentaries. I really didn't come up with a good answer. So my conclusion and the first thing I just wanted to make sure we're thinking about and realize is that there are some things in life that just don't make sense. <laughs> now, I realize that's not the biblical truth that, uh, uh, that comes pouring out of this, but it is worthwhile for us to just to take a minute and remember that about life. Now, we'll, we'll bring this around to a more spiritual, if you will, conclusion in a second. I hope I can illustrate with a couple things that won't offend anybody, but over the last few months, there's some things that just make you laugh. Now, there's probably a reason behind some things, but there's a couple things that just make me laugh when I see them because I do not understand them. They just don't make any sense. One of my favorites is when you go to a park, an outdoor park, and they have closed down the restrooms and they put up a porta pot. Now, I'm sorry. When I think of germ prevention, and sanitary uh, things, porta pots do not come to mind. I mean, I think we rank porta pots two ways. I guess I can survive, and no way. Uh, I mean, I've never walked in there and thought, oh, this is clean, healthy environment in here. Uh, this is nice. So I, I don't understand that. That just kind of it kind of cracks me up. It kind of befuddles me. My other thing, and this this was a favorite. I actually heard about this. I can't even remember if it was my wife or Pastor James. Somebody told me about this. But you're in the grocery store, and the cashier is trying to tell the man, an older gentleman, how much he owes. And, you know, it's like $4.50, I can't hear you. $4.50, I can't hear you. Uh, and they keep going back and forth. Finally, the cashier reaches around the, or comes around the plex uh, plexiglass, pulls down her mask and says, $4.50. <laughs> Great. I just love it. That was just perfect. I thought, now that makes perfect sense for safety. That, that's, the, that's the way to do it. But you know, there are so many things right now in life, I think you'll agree, you look at, and at least to me, they don't make any sense. Uh, there are a lot of aspects of the health and uh, safety of everybody that I don't completely understand. The economy baffles me. I mean, I don't, some things are so going so crazy. I've been trying to get some work done around my house. I can't, you know, they're like, yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're just so busy. I don't understand it completely. And to be honest with you, there are a lot of the issues of social justice that I have tried to dig into that I don't completely understand. I, I, I don't get. I'm still trying to. So, you know, my goal in, in all that we've been going through 
through is to just try to help people with what I do understand, and that's finding an anchor in the Lord Jesus Christ. But can we realize this for sure, that there are some things that don't make sense, and if we could just adopt this, I know there are going to be some things in life that do not make sense. I do not understand them, and I don't have to. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow, but there are some things in life that don't make sense to me, but I don't have to understand them. When, uh, whenever I get a new journal, a little new notebook that is a journal, there's a couple of phrases that I transfer over to the inside cover. And one of them is a note that I write to myself from God. And it just says, Dan, today I'll be God, you be Dan. Things work better like that. And how often I just need to remind myself that uh, there comes a day when God says he will set everything right, where I will no longer see through a glass darkly, as the Bible talks about, where it will no longer be cloudy vision, and, and these things will come into focus. But there are some things in this world that simply do not make sense, and some of them far more serious than an outhouse or a porta pot I mean, there are times, you know, when we look and say, well, hey, why did this man who took care of himself uh, die an early death, you know, in his 30s? And why did he have an aneurysm? Or why did he have a heart attack? I don't understand. You know, why does, do sometimes people that don't seem all that intelligent get rich and people that are brilliant end up poor? I don't always understand. Uh, why does this family over here that doesn't seem to be able to care for kids have multiple children and this loving couple over here that just wants one and they can't bear a child? There are a lot of things I don't understand. And sometimes, I just have to say, sometimes life does not make good sense, and uh, I don't have to understand it all. I need to sometimes just let God be, well, sometimes is the wrong word to put in there, but I just need to let God be God. Now, I realize that wasn't uh, the, the main thing that would be gleaned from our passage, so let's, let's do some gleaning. I don't know for sure what that means, but let's go. Uh, and as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to, uh, to them, I'm sorry, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached. Remember these notes that they had from the church at Jerusalem uh, by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Okay, they're building up the believers. God is adding to the church. And they went through the region of Pergia and Galatia, uh, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, um, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called them uh, to preach the gospel uh, to them there in Macedonia. Now, if we can, uh, sorry, I'm going to make sure I have the right, right page up here, and I do not. Sorry, I got excited and turned over, over an extra page. Uh, if we could stop here for a second observation. God often uses difficult times to move us to a new vision. In fact, God often uses closed doors, pressure, adversity to shape us, to mold us. The picture that Jeremiah gave of the potter's house and God, how God uses pressure to form us is so beautiful here. But so often, 
uh, we think that we are on track. We think we should go a certain direction. And God uses a closed door and moves us. And, I th and this is one of the things I hope you'll really take away today. Is when God shuts this door. When God closes this opportunity. When God says, no, this is not the way you're going. God has for you a new vision. Sometimes I am so preoccupied with my own vision of how life should be that I miss that God is trying to move me on to his vision. Um, and I think we've all been there. Uh, I, I feel very confident in saying that all of us at some point or another have looked at something that said, I believe this is what God wants. Uh, I mean, it could be just something as simple as I think God wants us to buy this house. <laughs> but apparently God wanted somebody else to get it ahead of me because they bid $1,000 more. Uh, I really thought God wanted us to have this car, but uh, the finance didn't come through or whatever like that. How'd that work out? God, I really thought you wanted. God wanted me to have this job, and it didn't happen. Uh, for some people, very seriously, they thought this was the mate that God had for them, and that fell apart. And, and you think, hey, God, I really thought I was on track. I really thought I was, I was following you. If we could understand, look at what the Apostle Paul did here. He wanted to take the gospel uh, throughout this area of Asia. Uh, the one area that they mentioned is like in northern Turkey. This is where he wanted to go. And God said, no, this is not where you're going. But as God closes that door, he gives them a vision and says, here's where you are going. You're going up into Macedonia, and then you're going to end up going down through Greece. That's where I have you to go. I have a new vision and an exciting vision. If we could grasp this idea that as God closes a door. Now, I, I, he, he gives a vision. As I looked at this, I am encouraged because the Apostle Paul missed it twice in a few verses here. I think I ought to go here. Nope. Uh, I think you ought to go here. Nope. Because I thought, all right. I'm right there with the Apostle Paul. I miss things all the time. Let me, let me got a great illustration that fits where we are right now. When our whole, uh, back in the second week of March or whatever, you know, notice came down that there would be a shutdown. And uh, really weird. How, some of you remember that, how fast that happened. Wednesday, I'm meeting with my small group going, well, I hope we don't have to close down next week's upward finale. <laughs> By Friday, everything was shut down. Schools were shut down. Basketball tournaments were shut down. Er everything. And uh, again, I had a great gift, gift, gift of prophecy. Oh, they won't shut that down. But everything, everything shut down, and, and that's, that's where it ended up. And I really, in my mind, immediately, I thought, okay, a couple weeks. And then, man, will we come back with a bang. <laughs> People are going to be pumped to get back. We're, we're going to bring in extra chairs, baby. We're going to have quite a service. Honestly, that is what was going on in my mind. And then we got, okay, the first week we did that, we just you know, pressed a button and recorded the message. That's all we were set up for. But then we got going on uh, the cameras and being able to live stream things. And I thought, okay, God, this is kind of cool. You brought this in, that we can do this. We're moving forward. This has been a big win. And, you know, by Easter, though, we'll be back. And by Easter, we'll, we'll be going. We'll be ready to go. This is just how my mind went. And uh, Easter came and went, and, uh, you know, things had not changed. Uh, we're still just live streaming. And, uh, again, so my mind, again, this is, this is all me. This is all my plans. But I'm thinking, okay, God, I've been for quite a while thinking two services would be great for us. It would give opportunities for more people to come. It would give opportunities for more people to serve. I thought it, in my mind, this is a healthy thing. This is where we ought to go. So I started pushing that direction. It's a good thing. This is going to be a win. And, boy, when we come, whoa, this is going to really go. Very simply, as time has gone on through this, even as we have watched other churches open, as we have watched the world in many areas come back rather slowly, we have realized over the last few weeks that that's not going to be the best thing to do. You know, we're going to be maybe rattling around a little bit. Uh, you ought to see the auditorium now. I have things uh, spread out. 
uh, in groups of three and four and five. If you have a big family, uh, you can move some chairs around. I think we have groups of se seven chairs. And then we have one little section of two chairs. It's really kind of cute over here. You want to get here and get those first when we meet together. But, uh, you know, but I thought, hey, for a while there, you know, I had this idea, man, we're going to come back with such a bang and everything like that. And this is my mindset and this is what we ought to do. And really since our last few weeks that God said, you know, that really isn't the best idea. <laughs> That's not the best idea you, you ever had. And like I said, I found comfort in the fact that Paul missed it too. But if we can do this, if we can do this as a church, as community church, if we could do this as the church, God, give us this vision. Okay, a lot of what we have planned for 2020 has gone by the wayside. What's your vision? <laughs> where are you going to show us what, what is the best way to minister? What is the best way to, to love people, to share your love with people, to share the message of the gospel? God, what's, what's the vision moving forward? And, and we can grab a hold of that idea that as God closes one door, he says, hey, i got something else for you. Uh, right now, to be honest with you, I'm a little reeling. I'm a little bit like, oh, that door closed. That stinks. Uh, but but uh, as I embrace this idea this week, very helpful to me just to realize that God's, you know, I, I have plans and how thing, I have a vision that I, that how things ought to go. And, uh, you know, when they don't, sometimes I'm, th I'm thrown off course. But understand that uh, God's plans are never thwarted. Nice big word there. God's plans are never thwarted. We had uh, this last week, we, we were supposed to go camping one night uh, down at Clifty Falls uh, down in uh, southern Indiana. We were going to meet with my daughter and her family, and uh, they were actually going to stay the weekend, but we were going to join them Thursday night. And my wife and I went down early and got Jeanette and uh, the uh, our grandson and the dog and and took everything down we loaded up our little Subaru like crazy and and we were going to get it all set up my son-in-law's been incredibly busy we really wanted just to be a super relaxing evening for him so a lot of times when we go we plan how these hours we're going to play this game and then this game we just kind of thought hey we're just going to chill we're going to look at the campfire for a while go to bed get a good night's sleep Thursday night the campground was pretty empty uh, so this is going to be a great relaxing evening that was our plans we uh zipped up the tent somewhere probably around 10 o'clock, and I am not exaggerating, within five minutes of the tent zipping up, and uh, we were in bed, the raccoons descended upon the campsite. Now, I knew you don't leave food out. I was smart enough to figure that one out, but I had left the cornhole bean bags out, and these raccoons came in, and I don't know if there's something in there they wanted to eat or they just wanted to play or what they were doing, but they're grabbing these bean bags and fighting over them right outside our tent, climbing up in this tree that was right above us, eating the bean bags. I am all night long. <laughs> we just heard these raccoons fighting and throwing bean bags and, and uh, just having a great time. My poor son-in-law, I think he you know, barely got to shut his eyes to sleep at all. He gets up in the morning, looks like a truck ran over him. The raccoons had left this particularly nice present outside of their tent, and their dog, their Irish setter, comes out and rolls around in the, uh, in the raccoon present. Uh, so that's how his relaxing day started. And I, I, I mean, I had prayed, God, you know, please give you know, Drew a nice relaxing time, you know, help this to be an encouragement an uplift for him my plans just didn't quite go the way I thought they would and when we get to that place oftentimes we just need to remember that my plans <laughs> uh, you know what, what's the Bible say God uh, man makes plans and God's laughs sometimes but God's plans are perfect uh, God's plans are not going to get messed up uh, we can trust that indeed though things are not going according to our plan they are still going according to his if we can cling to that and look for that next step look for that vision I, I don't care who you are that's good stuff we need to hear that 
Okay, we need to remember that, uh, who this God is that we serve. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to that place. Samothrace, would you say that? I don't, I don't think that's how you say it. But, uh, and then the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remain in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out outside the gate to, uh, to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. So they were going to a place of prayer, and they sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. And one who heard was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, uh, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household, let me stop there for just a real quick thought. This is something we're going to see later in the same chapter, those two things happening. Uh, first of all, she believes, her family believes, and they're baptized. This is a pattern you see throughout Scripture that when parents come to the Lord, it greatly increases the chances the kids are going to come to the Lord. And then also the fact that when people got saved, they said, Jesus, we're going to let everybody know that we got saved, and they got baptized. We'll see that again come up. Uh, and anyway, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And we were going to the place of prayer. Okay, so they're going to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And she followed Paul and was crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Doesn't sound like a bad thing, but obviously from the response here, it was in mocking them. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the, to the, uh, to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, third observation I want to stop on right here. By, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time because the last point is the, by far the most exciting. So if you're bored at all, hang in there. But this is good too. Uh, even the most irritating people in our lives are loved by God. This lady that is harassing them going on is, we won't call her public enemy number one, but she is definitely gospel enemy number one. We have a tendency to focus on the sin in other people's lives rather than seeing how God feels about that person, how, God, how much God loves that person. If we could see other people through the eyes of God, realize how much he, he loves them. Now, if you're playing along at home for a second, play along with me, okay? Irritating people. Okay, you got them? Her? You got them pegged? Somebody at work? <laughs> Somebody in your family? Somebody in the neighborhood? Uh, they were on their way to uh, the house of prayer, maybe somebody at church. You're not actually looking at uh, getting back to. But the most irritating person, if you could think about that for a second, and then if you could ask the Lord, God, would you give me the ability to see them as you see them? Could I see them as loved by you? Um, friends, I consider ourselves very blessed in our daughter and son-in-law. Uh, both people that we love and enjoy. I think Drew and Hannah are the type of people that if we ever got to know them personally, we would like them. However, it's not really an option. That deal was sealed when my son chose Hannah and when Jeanette chose Drew. You see, because somebody that I love loves them. Okay, is that, you tracking? Somebody that I love loves them. The deal's sealed. I'm going to love them. Hey, done deal. Somebody that I love loves them. 
Can, can we get a hold of that? This lady had to be the first class biting the shorts. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Uh, pain uh, to Paul and Silas and their ministry uh, and everything going on. They had to be thinking, get this woman out of here. Let's just shoot her. Let's get away. Somebody that I love loved her. Okay, if we can grab a hold of that, if we can uh, hold on to that. Now, perhaps Paul lost it, you know, a little bit in his anger. He's so irritating. But God can still use us when, when, he, when, he, when we use it sometime. But if we can, when we lose it, but if we can catch a hold or grab a hold of that idea, dear God, would you give me a heart for them? Would you give me your heart for them? I know you love them. Would you help me to love them because of that? Can we get a hold of that? Somebody that I love. Loves them so much that he laid down his life for them. Here we go. End of the story. You ready? I told you it gets better all the time. You're getting excited, aren't you? I can see you on the edge of your stupid couch at home. I'm sorry. You have a lovely couch, I'm sure. It's just that one in that picture that was making me mad. Okay. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone. Quick, quick pause there. You know what ticked them off? Money, 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 money. Uh, that's what made them mad. We don't want the gospel spread. We don't care about that. Money. Now, we never have disagreements in our world over money, right? We never have disagreements in our marriages over money or with anybody. Can we just see, you know, when, when God talked a lot about money, when Jesus said that he knew what he was doing because that pulls our hearts, that becomes our treasure, that becomes our God so easily. And God didn't say that money was evil. God said our love for it was evil, the, the love of money. And we pursue after that all the time, and it is. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, <laughs> number one. By the way, I'm pretty sure I'm going to find one I like pretty soon. But uh, I just, I'm just looking for them. But, uh, the, uh, but I, I know this for sure. <laughs> I said, actually, sorry, side for one second. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, somebody's behind all this. And uh, the person just said, the devil. I said, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I want to know who's helping. Uh, but the uh, money is behind so many things. And, and for sure, this is where the problem starts. They weren't going to make any more money. They seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful to us as Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. I don't know, it always cracks me up. You read the Bible, how many times people are tearing their clothes. That <laughs> does it. I'm tearing. I always like that. But I, I found this in my garage yesterday when I was reading about the beating with rods. They said that the rods were about the, the thickness of a baseball uh, bat handle, of the handle. So I found this in my garage. I just, I've really been missing sports, so I wanted to do that. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I think I just struck out. But but uh, can you imagine that? I mean, we read some of these, oh, they got beat. Oh, okay, go on, next verse. They got beat. I mean, thinking about that. You know, take this thing longer, and people are beating with that. Can you imagine what they're facing here? Get this picture going. See what they're facing, because we want to see how they respond. And when they had inflicted them with many blows upon him, I'm sorry, them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet with stocks. And by midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is nuts. Uh, there's praying and singing hymns to God. They've just been beating, beaten. They are thrown into the inner prison, the dungeon. I am relatively certain there was no cable TV. There was no workout room. Uh, there was no three squares a day. Okay, they're in a rat-infested 
I'm also relatively certain there was not working plumbing down there. Okay, they are in that porta pot uh, of a of a room uh, with rats all over the place. They've been beaten, and what are they going to do? Let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's sing hymns. They sang Amazing Grace. Well, it wasn't written yet, but they sang about Him. Uh, they prayed. They talked to Him. They sang about Him. Are you serious? But look what happened here. The prisoners were listening to them. Don't forget that. What's going on here? They're 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 watching them. What these guys have been through, and they're praying, and they're singing. This is incredible. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, and he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Figured, they're going to kill me anyway, because I let them out. I might as well kill myself. I was uh, reading some things on this this week, and somebody said, you know, many times we get to the place in life uh, where we think life would be better if we would just die. And the message that we need is, no, life is better because Jesus died for you. I know that's kind of Christian speak, but it's kind of cool just to think about. We think my life would be better if it was just over. This guy's going to figure out that life is better because Jesus died for him. Uh, but Paul cried with a loud voice, said, hey, don't do yourself any harm. We are all here. Not just Paul and Silas. Everybody is still there. They've been listening to them sing. I mean, you talk about a jailhouse revival, what is going on here. Uh, they, they've all been listening to it. They all stayed around. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Uh, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. Remember, I said that would come back. And you and your household. And they spoke to the word of the Lord. I'm sorry, the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour on that night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized. Here we go again. He and all of his family. Last point. That are the last observation that I want to call your attention to is that unbelievers are watching how we deal with tough times. I don't want to creep you out, but you're being watched. You're being watched right now. We are being watched how we respond to things. Um, I want to take a minute and introduce you to my father. Uh, Jack Thomas was, if you're thinking, he probably looked like me. Uh, Dad was 5'6". I'm 6'1". Uh, Dad was bald, and I have this luscious, flowing head of hair. Okay, I got six hairs, but that's six more than he had. Uh, Dad and I look n nothing alike. Uh, I like this. Uh, well, I'd like it more if there's more people here, but I like to be up in front of people. Dad would literally <laughs> wet his pants. Uh, he, he hated talking in any way like this. He, very, very, very much different. But when Dad came to know the Lord, he was passionate about wanting to share the gospel message with people scared out of his mind he would go into church visitation every week and go out that poor man did that for years and never had what i would call an exciting visit where he came back and said oh hey somebody trusted the lord he'd have doors slammed in his face and people get mad at him uh but he kept going out he kept trying to share the gospel he also always ordered gospel tracks you know that guy that always let me share the word you know wherever he went you find him in the bathroom stalls and, and everything like that dad that was always sharing I don't know of anybody that ever, there may have been, and I'm not saying God didn't use his witness, but I didn't know of anybody who ever came to Christ as a result of my dad's witness until, and this was during a recession in the 1970s, dad lost his job. 
And of course, incredibly hard at that time because it wasn't like he was going to go out and get another job. He knew this, this, this meant hard times coming. Another man that worked beside him, I still remember the guy's name, was Jim Rowan. Jim Rowan watched my dad go through the difficulty of losing his job. And it was difficult. Dad had a very hard time. But he watched my dad go through it, and he, and he watched him turn to God. And he didn't come and say, what must I do to be saved? But he did come and say, I don't know how you're making it. I got to have what you have. And Jim Rowan trusted the, trusted the Lord. <laughs> People are watching. Okay, they're watching how we respond. Uh, this is an incredible opportunity for us to testify of the difference that Jesus makes in our life. Not with pretend optimism, but with a real uh, trust and faith in Jesus Christ that other people are going to see. Did you see these guys in jail praying to God and singing? People must have thought these guys are flipped their gourd. What in the world is going on? But they were watching. And they said, hey, wait a minute, I don't know what they have, but I want it. The jailer said, I don't, you know, I'm missing something here, and i got to have it. If we can think about that during rough times, just the whole idea of how people are watching us, what would, be, what would have the opposite effect? Okay, Our faith in God our trust in Him, our focus on Him, us taking the time even this morning to sing about how great our God is, uh, that's going to draw people to Him as we continue to look to Him and trust Him. What would turn people away? I'm going to go away, or a little rabbit trail here for just a second, but as I thought about this, the Bible says that a powerful part of our testimony is our love for other people. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Men shall know you by this, that we love. Okay? If there is one thing that is going to drive people away from the church, it is bickering inside the church. I'm just, honestly, we got to keep it out, folks. Now, I, 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 just talking to you here for a second, I'm not saying don't have your opinions. I'm not even so, saying don't share your opinions. But there is a caution that I want to give you. As, uh, as our kids were growing up, my wife and I were very passionate about them going on short-term mission trips. We thought that was a real good thing. Uh, I think Travis has been on five. He's been in Asia. He's been in Europe. He's been in uh, South America. Uh, Jeanette has been on at least four and, and like that. And we really encouraged them to go. We sacrificed so they could go. Here's why we wanted them to go on mission trips is because we love them and we love Jesus. That was our motivation, okay? Now, listen, we, mo we believe that because we love them and we love Jesus. Let's say I look over at, uh, I'm looking at Chris Graham here, and I say, hey, I don't know what his plans are for the future uh, as his kids get older, but let's say he says, you know, I don't think our family's going to do short-term mission trips. So I say to Chris, Chris, <laughs> you don't love Jesus, and you don't love people. That's your problem. You're just selfish, okay? My point is this, we have a very hard time sometimes, if, if my motivation is because I love people and I love Jesus, we have a very hard time thinking that somebody that is not doing the same thing as me loves people and loves Jesus. I don't, I don't know if that's making any sense, but I'm seeing this all the time. I'm not saying you shouldn't have your opinions and I'm not saying you shouldn't pair, share your opinions and you can share them passionately if you believe that you should. I get that. I'm not saying, shut your mouths, everybody. What I'm saying is, let's not look at people who disagree with us and draw the conclusion that we know their hearts 
and say, if you do this, you don't love people. If you do this, you don't love God. If you do this, you don't love America. Okay? Let's not go there. Okay? Doesn't, doesn't the, honestly, doesn't the Scripture tell us that God knows the hearts? We don't know the hearts. So I do not know the heart of my brother. Help me, God, to love my brother. Help me, God, to respect my brother and respect his opinions and respect his passions and understand that I don't have every answer and there's going to be some things I'm right about, there's going to be some things I'm wrong about, but bottom line is I don't want to bring fighting and bickering into the church of Jesus Christ and destroy the testimony that we have at a time when the world more than ever needs to see that there's something different for those who are following Jesus Christ. Sound good? There's a lot of things I don't know. (laughs) I don't know somebody's heart. But one thing I do know I read it in the scripture here that you can't know eternal life without Jesus Christ. Paul, he said, what must I do to be saved? What must you do? Here's what you must do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. May we rally around. May we gather around that common purpose, that common mission that we have is to share with people that God so loved the world that he gave his son to die on them and that they can know eternal life only through Jesus Christ and the fact that he paid the price for their sin. And if they'll turn to him for forgiveness of that sin and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you got what happened here in Acts chapter 16. People are getting saved. Families are getting saved. Revival breaks out there in that jail. Isn't that what we want to see? Let's not become so preoccupied. And please, I, I know I, sometimes I get like, okay, I hope I'm saying this clearly and I end up repeating myself and then I smack myself all the way home. Why would you keep repeating that? Uh, but but I, I'm not, honestly, I am not saying don't have your opinions and I am not saying shut your mouths. What I'm saying is let's respect and love the stinking fire out of especially the family of God at this time whether they agree with us or whether they don't. Does that make some good sense? And I am also saying this. God made it very clear here. The, the jailer asked the question, what do I need? Paul said, you need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. That's what you must do to know eternal life. You must have Jesus Christ. Father, would you take that message? <laughs> I can't look at anybody in the eyes right now. I can't uh, ask to talk to them after church right now or anything like that. So I ask that your spirit would mightily take that message and apply it to the heart of somebody who's listening right now who is thinking that same thing. I need something. I need something that other people have that I don't. Lord, help them to find that something in you. Turn to you in repentance and belief. Uh, Lord, draw them to you. Help them to know know that. Help them to reach out to, to me or somebody that can help them understand that. And oh, King May we bow before you as God. How great is our God. And may we recognize that you know what you're doing. (laughs) Even though we don't understand your plans. And may we also, Father, share your heart for people in our lives. Even the most difficult people. God, use the message of your word. Use this story in Acts chapter 16. And change us, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church.
or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.